of the earth. Countless souls do not know about Jesus. And we can't ignore the need. This is the heart of mission. Missionaries, cross-cultural specialists, pastors, they can all help us answer this season's big question. What small role can I play in God's big world? Thank you for joining us. Grab a cuppa and strap in as we debunk, demystify, and de-stress the great challenges of cross-cultural mission. Hi, I'm Mark Peterson, Director of CMS South Australia and Northern Territory. Welcome to the Heart of Mission podcast, and I am genuinely thrilled about getting Season 2 underway. And we've got a fabulous guest to kick things off in just a minute. But before we get there, Season 1 was the podcast that was to be a conference. COVID made a mess of our Adelaide event plans, but hopefully that was just a one-off. We'll get back to annual summer conferences right across Australia. But what next for our podcast? Well, Global Mission is such an awesome and awe-inspiring thing. We have so many more great people to talk with and stories to tell. Plus, CMS folk from around Australia like what we've been doing and are keen to help us to move forward. So in Season 2, we're branching out a bit. We're going to introduce you to a wider group of people, connect you with all sorts of different mission activities that CMS workers are involved with right across the globe, and talk with cross-cultural specialists and pastors. Now, we've got a bit of a goal for this season. We want to help you to work out what mission means for you. The work of God in the world is just so big, the task endless. Do you find yourself thinking it's all too much? What could I possibly do? Well, this is it. Your role and my role might be small, but God does big things out of small things. What small role can you play in God's big world that He might just flourish into something incredible? So, today's guest. Chris Jolliffe has been a local pastor here in Adelaide for about two decades, a humble pastor, a great teacher, and a great advocate for global mission. I'm going to introduce you to plenty of missionaries in coming months, but I wanted to start here at the local church because that's the Christian's home base. It's where most of us are formed in our thinking. It's where we exercise our beliefs practically. And it's the church that God calls to mission. Missionaries are awesome. I know lots of them and I love them. But it's not just a bunch of super spiritual Christians off with God somewhere doing all the real work while the rest of us lazy bones just do the easy thing in our own comfortable churches. Well, shouldn't be anyway. Churches send missionaries. There's a great picture of this at the beginning of Acts 13. And then other churches get on board and partner with the missionaries that have been sent as if they too had sent them. A mission agency like CMS plays a pretty critical role, but CMS is not in the Bible. The church is in the Bible. So let's ask the pastor what he's doing to lead his church in global mission. Chris Jolliffe is the pastor of Trinity Church, Allgate. Let's meet him. Thanks so much for making the time and being with us on the Heart of Mission podcast today. My pleasure. Now, you've been thinking about mission for a long time, but I know that just recently you did a sermon series on the topic of To the Ends of the Earth. It was a series on the Book of Acts. Tell us, why did you do that? Um, It was appropriate at the beginning of the year, I think, to lift people's eyes, to lift the congregation's eyes, to 
where they fit in God's big plan around the world. What's he doing? You know, is he just concerned for the prosperity of our own lives and the lives of our children? Or does he want us to figure in to something much bigger? And I think Acts really does lift people's vision. Yeah, so you weren't actually starting right at the start of Acts on this occasion. No. Um, but it's a, there's a really significant verse there right at the start, isn't there? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And, and how does that kind of affect the whole of the book of Acts? Sure, thanks. Yes, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is the programmatic statement, really, of the book of Acts. So this is where Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's risen from the dead. The disciples are meeting together and they ask Jesus a question. Uh, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, well, it's a good question, but it's not for you to know those times or dates. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that little phrase, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, really outlines the theological sort of racial categories, if you like, of from its Jewish heartland out to Samaritans, half-Jews, and then to the ends of the earth to full-blooded Gentiles and pagans. Yeah. And so in some ways the location of Rome is very significant, isn't it? And the book kind of finishes when Paul is in Rome. Yes. And then, of course, I guess Rome is a bit of a staging ground for other gospel sharing and, and mission. What is the significance for us and for global mission today in doing this kind of study and seeing that, that particular spread right. and going to Rome? So the book of Acts highlights God's big agenda, uh, which really follows on from Jesus' great commission, uh, having died for the sins of the world, of all peoples and all nations, died once for all, and having risen again as the Lord of all nations. He's got this, this death that could be the effective salvation of everybody, and now everyone just needs to hear about it. And the book of Acts describes this happening where the God drives the propulsion of the gospel outward. He, he is the great missioner. And this is what God is doing in the world. And it's so important, I think, for people on the ground to realise we are part of a massive, massive missionary worldwide movement and it keeps going. So the book of Acts doesn't finish with job done and, you know, the apostles sort of dusting off their hands and saying, excellent, now we'll just twiddle our thumbs and sip banana daiquiris until Jesus comes back. No, 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 it finishes in a delib deliberately open-ended way uh, with Paul in Rome under house arrest, uh, really the centre of the known world back then, sharing the word of God as he's able, as Gentiles are coming to him. But the job is not done and so it's deliberately open-ended and we need to take up the baton now. And, of course, people have done that. We're, we're at the ends of the earth, aren't we? People have brought the gospel to us, but now it's our turn. We are in this generation. What will we do? It's interesting also throughout Acts there are these moments where you, we can see that the people need a nudge as well. Yes. And the one that really sticks out to me is around the time of Stephen's martyrdom and there yes. is the beginning of that persecution. And it's interesting how Stephen's whole speech is about, you know, don't limit God to Jerusalem, don't limit him to the temple and yes. to those buildings and so on. And then this persecution hits and whammo, they all leave Jerusalem. They all leave. And it's interesting that it's the normal garden variety Christians who are spreading the word. The apostles are staying put at that moment in Jerusalem. And that's a little indicator that it's not just the apostles or God driving it through the apostles. It's ordinary Christians who just realise this news is so wonderful. 
it ought to be shared. When I think about it, it's it's like each person has won a lottery ticket and you've got a lottery ticket that your neighbour has won, but they don't know about it yet. And you say, you can't help sharing the news. Did you know you've won the lottery? You know, God has given his son so that you can have eternal life. This is wonderful news. And Jesus is a wonderful Lord. You, you've got to get to know him and surrender to him. Okay, so you did this sermon series in, in the church. Yeah. How did it go for the church? How, how did people kind of get on board with this? Were there changes that you could perceive? Yeah, so if I if I tried to think of measurable changes, I think our support of CMS gospel workers or missionaries is constant and has increased per capita in our church. Not astronomically, but it has increased, which over the last couple of years with COVID interruptions and stuff says something. The other thing is that because we did the series over three or four years, I can say that there's been a notable increase of attendance at the CMS Summer Conference of people from our gathering. That is, people are becoming interested in worldwide mission. Yeah. Mm. And ACTS is it's just in some ways so easy to do that with in a way, isn't it? Because it, yeah. it is about global mission. There might be other parts of the Bible for, the, for which this is relevant as well. Uh, the overarching sweep from Abraham through, you might say, you know, let's, let's give people that... Um, that big picture biblical theology yes. of it. But there's something really good about getting practical and actually getting specific about uh, the application as well, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. And I think that's why Acts is so good, as well as um, raising the vision, the big picture vision of what God's doing, and you can't help but see that in the book of Acts. It's also very grounded. And so you see that it's not easy, actually. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned that great persecution that broke out in Jerusalem and the believers spreading the news as they went. That's interesting, isn't it? It's Even though Jesus has risen as the glorious Lord of all, it doesn't mean the advance of the gospel is without difficulty. And, I mean, I remember one of my sermons on Paul Paul, <laughs> I think when he was in Galatian area of Iconium and Lystra, and when he was stoned and left for dead, I mean... The progress of the gospel was not without hiccup, and yet it happened. And so we ought not to expect that it won't cost us. Uh, we ought not to expect that it'll just be easy. I mean, Paul, the, the great missioner when he was in, Ac in Athens, you know, had a few people who were interested, but it wasn't widespread. Mm. However, he planted a church, and from there, uh, flames were ignited. So that's wonderful. Okay, so many people uh, listening might be aware of the fact that connecting with mission uh, is often about connecting with specific missionaries, yep. that you might sign up to receive their prayer letters, their partnership updates, that you might sign up to partner with them financially and so on. And, and in some ways it can be a one-to-one -one kind of a relationship. But you're a pastor of a church and what does it look like for a church to partner with mission as well? Can you tell us a little bit about that um, in terms of your own context and your own thinking about what, what churches could be doing and what's distinct about church partnerships in some ways? Okay. Well, as you remind me, reminded me, Mark, it's churches that send missionaries out, isn't it? And they're supported through CMS or other missionary organisations, but churches send people out. In my time uh, here in Adelaide, pastoring different churches, um, we have sent people out from our congregation to work with CMS and other organisations. 
And as a pastor, I tell you, there's a, there's a lot of weight upon me because I realise the immense cost of obeying the Lord Jesus in the Great Commission and going, not just saying they believe in it, but actually doing it. And so I'm their pastor, we're their congregation, their brothers and sisters, and by them going and us supporting them and partnering with them, we get to partner in the work of God in reaching a people group or a, you know, a society which we ourselves can't do it. So it's a tremendous privilege, in other words, to be able to partner with people. But then, of course, you know, I'm in a, new, a newer church context. I've been there four years and I've, if you like, inherited some other missionaries and I just want to support them as well. So I think being a pastor is, is a tremendous privilege in this regard. I think we are gatekeepers to what happens up the front. If I'm not involved and concerned personally in world mission, why would I expect anyone in the congregation to be? And yet I must because that's the propulsion of the scriptures. Someone's taken the gospel to me, for which I'm grateful. So I try and do what I can to support our missionaries that we were sent out and also ignite people's hearts with the great, the great vision of God. And I guess trying to lead the way with those partnerships as well when, when a missionary is on home assignment oh, yeah. as well. I remember you telling me about a time when you, you took a missionary and his son on an outing. And <laughs> I, I, tell us about that. Okay. So we, had, we were supporting a missionary family and they came back from Southeast Asia where they were working and they were here on home assignment. And I was just aware that these poor folks, they're so busy on home assignment, they actually needed someone to be their friend. And I had a little bit of time, not much, but I thought, you know, why don't we just help them to do something Australian, South Australian in my context? I'd never gone swimming with cuttlefish at Wyala. <laughs> and I thought that's a unique South Australian thing to do. You, there's no other known breeding ground around the world for cuttlefish, but it's there. It's in the winter. So I took the missionary bloke and his son, and we just went up and we hired wetsuits and we swam in 10 degrees and we were like three floating stick insects on the on the water. But we had a great time. There was four hours driving there, four hours driving Yeah, back. this is not just around the corner. No. This is a major no. outing. Yeah. Yeah, we stayed overnight together. But that that was that was just being a friend, a mm. being a human being, a Christian brother mm. to, to these people when they come back. I regard them as my my brothers, my sisters. So just thinking about the flip side, I mean, I think it's worth acknowledging that sometimes this doesn't happen for missionaries. And sometimes sure. they'll come back on home assignment and and feel like, uh, you know, the minister's changed in their church, the uh, the people, half the people have changed, they don't remember me, they don't remember my kids' names, they don't know what I'm doing over there. Yeah. You, have you come across those kind of I certainly have. Yeah. And... And I do everything I can to try and mitigate that. So, for example, I think I have a responsibility. So when I get the CMS prayer points, well, first of all, I pray. And secondly, I set off, I, I reply and told, tell them that I've prayed for them mm. because I've heard that many uh, missionaries and gospel workers out in the field actually don't get many replies. So I do pray for them. Um, I try and remember their kids' birthdays. So I put that little reminder on my phone and I, you know, I send them a happy birthday message when they come up because the kids are involved. You know, they often don't get a say. It's mum and dad who decide to go to wherever. But, you know, the, the kids bear the cost as well and it's really important and that they know that they're being supported. I try and because I'm a gatekeeper of content of what happens on a Sunday, 
I try and make sure when they come back on home assignment that they get airtime. They may not be able to get as much as they want, but then I try and set up another forum where they can actually have more time over a lunch or something around at our place. And then I'll invite people to come and uh, they can listen and pray for these people. So I think there's many things we can do. Things like, for example, if you're a pastor, you should turn up at their or well, they're sending, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it says something if you don't uh, because we're sending them. They're our partners, our brothers and sisters in the gospel. They're mm. doing the great work of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stand with them. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit about your story, though. You've been on the, yeah. the board for CMS SANT, uh, but, and you know, there's quite a long story, you know, going here, but where's this come from? Like, You've been a pastor for quite a while. Um, you know, is this sort of central to your your identity as a pastor or is it something that's developed through various experiences? I think it's central to my identity as a Christian, to be honest. So when you deeply grasp that Christ has died for the sins of the world, when you grasp that he is the resurrected and glorified Lord of all nations, when you know that in heaven there will be people from every tribe, language, people and nation gathered there, you, you cannot remain uh, just self-focused. There's a, an international propulsion that you're part of. You're part of a movement. So when I was thinking about what should I do with my life, <laughs> I remember thinking, should I go on the mission field myself? And then thinking, if I don't end up doing that, I should go somewhere else in Australia from where I, I, I was converted. And I therefore will do everything I can to support world mission. So the wonderful thing is as a partner, a pastor, you do get to go. So I have gone to India. I have taken a team from there. I have gone to Myanmar several times and went with you, didn't I? Indeed. <laughs> we had a great time. Mm. And I think it does something for the congregation, your local church, to know that their pastor has a bigger vision than just the local patch of turf we're on. Hmm. And that that itself lifts people's eyes. And it's so encouraging. So thinking practically then, I mean, what, what do you really want from your church? Like in terms of, you know, you can't all take missionaries off to swim with cuttlefish. Um, <laughs> although, you know, maybe there'd be some other things and we could keep them busy. Although the missionaries are often quite busy on home assignment. But what would you like to see? I mean, do you want everybody doing something or do you want some people doing a few things and other people you know, like where do you want to see them go like in, in a few years' time? What would you like to see your church? Oh, great question. So I want every person, first of all, to own that the gospel is for all the nations. Um, so I want people to keep thinking beyond themselves. Um, that's really important. I want then, therefore, every person who's a member of our church to be involved as a supporter of CMS. Um, or some other missionary organisation, um, so that even if we're not going ourselves, we can partner with people by praying, you know, the, you know the mantra, but it's true, praying, caring for missionaries, giving, and then even perhaps going. So I, I do want people to be active partners. And I, I think that, you know, as, as I'm preaching through the Bible, the Bible itself is really helpful at driving us towards this 
You know, so for example, you preach through Romans and you realise Paul was planning a missionary trip in Spain and he was asking the Roman church to support him. You've got Paul writing to the Colossians. He's never been there, but he's asking them to partner with him. Uh, You've got Paul writing to the Thessalonians and saying, guess what, guys, your faith is being reported around the world. Uh, You've got Paul writing to the Corinthians and talking about the Thessalonians also sort of having involvement in them, Um, et cetera, et cetera. So even if you just preach through the Bible, you can't help but uh, ask for the congregation to be involved in a a vision that's bigger than them. So I'd ask, I'd want people to be um, partners and supporters of CMS. Um, I'd I'm also wanting specifically there to be mission advocates for each of our missionaries within our congregation. So, in other words, lay people who will take up the job of championing each one of them and informing the congregation and leading us in prayer for them. So that's what I want. Um, I'd love to take a team of people somewhere. So, for example, in a couple of weeks, I'm taking a team, a little team from our church to Alice Springs. Well, that's it's just taking a team of people beyond our sphere and that's a small step to getting us thinking beyond us. Yeah. Okay, now when I was there at your church a few um, months ago, I, I put out the challenge, didn't I? I said, you should guys should make it a prayer challenge for the next 12 months yeah. who, whether the Lord would, you know, point someone out that yeah. we could potentially uh, send on mission. Now, I'm putting you on the spot here, Chris, you are. but I'm wondering, you know, how's that going? Has anyone emerged yet? Look, no, but I'm still trying. <laughs> so uh, I'm still trying. And and in, in my preaching, I'm trying to raise that topic again and again and again. You know. But, of course, it isn't just you, is it? Like we, we are praying for the Spirit to, to set, a, set apart people uh, and to show us who they are um, because there is a massive world out there. There are many, many gospel poor countries. There are many countries where the gospel is going gangbusters, but the pastors uh, really need help to be um, to be educated through theological college and other other things. There are just so many yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, preaching preaching does help that. I've been preaching through Micah, for example. There's an international focus in the, in the book of Micah and mm. the nations have a part. So then just to raise that again and again, preaching through Isaiah, yeah, you know, and God. as they say, this the other Lord's Prayer, isn't it? The the Matthew nine chapter thirty eight. Um, yes. You know that Jesus says, "Ask the Lord of the harvest yes. to send out workers into His harvest." So that's, I guess, the other prayer He wants us to pray. Um, we yeah. just got to keep praying that. That's exactly right, and I think the air that we breathe at the moment is secularism. It's no longer just you know there's the secular atheists and there's the Christians and we've got it all together. We breathe in the air of secularism and, you know, how do you combat that? So secularism says the chief end that we can hope for us and our kids is for us all to flourish in our careers and as people fulfil our potentials in terms of getting to use our gifts, what we're passionate about. But really the agenda of the Lord doesn't come into that. And I think um, we need to preach the glory of Christ as the Lord of all nations. I think we also need to preach the pattern of Christ that we see in the book of Acts, suffering now, glory later. You know, I'm not seeing so many people putting up their hands and saying, 
I know it's going to be tough, but if Jesus said, I've got to go, I've got to go because he's worth it. So I get to, with God's grace, you know, have an immense privilege of, of saying those things from the front and challenging people again and again. But it, it, it's hard and we're selfish and <laughs> we, we lead busy lives and we get absorbed with what's just in front of us. Yeah. Well, it's a great place to finish as we kind of just once again think about the big picture of what God's doing, that it was always planned from the beginning of the Scriptures from the time of Abraham that God would uh, raise up um, Christ to be the answer to the world's pain and suffering and the one that would lead us to God's perfect model for humanity and for creation. And uh, he's given us this incredible role, hasn't he, the... um, the mission of the gospel in the power of the spirit, the mission of the church. And so it's been great to talk with you, a pastor, Chris, really helpful to get your insights and your encouragements, I guess, to the people in church, but also to other pastors. Um, It would be great to see our churches more and more grow to love the idea of the gospel going to the unreached and um, to the far distant corners of the earth. Thanks so much for being with us, Chris Jolla. Pleasure. Well, if you haven't caught up on season one yet, there are five great episodes of the Heart of Mission podcast waiting for you on your favourite podcast app, all seeking to answer the question, should we still be sending missionaries? Check them out. Or the one-off interview we did with Simon Gillam before he spoke at the CMS SANT annual online dinner back in June. In the next episode of the Heart of Mission podcast, we have Maggie Cruz. Maggie is an inspiration. 30 years on the field, mostly in Africa, but now in Cambodia, working with girls who have been trafficked, helping them to get back on their feet and introducing them to Jesus in the process. To find out more about CMS, search us on the web to find your local branch. We work with churches to set apart, equip and support long-term workers who cross cultures to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for a world that knows Jesus. See you next time.